0: Luke, the 17th chapter, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. We're gonna read uh, the 24th through the 30th verse. I'll be reading in the New Living Translation. It's Jesus talking, and he says, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. I want you to know that Jesus is not coming quietly he's gonna light up the sky when he comes verse 25 says but first the Son of Man Jesus must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation now we have to understand he's speaking to the Jews at this time and he's talking specifically about that generation the generation that he was living in in that day but that prophecy was fulfilled and not only was it fulfilled back then, it will be fulfilled again in our generation. So it's a two-fold prophecy. It was for that time to the Jews that he was speaking to, and it's also to the time that we're living in now. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be despised and rejected and forsaken by men. And Jesus is just quoting what Isaiah was saying. And then in verse 26, it says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So Jesus spoke of two of God's greatest judgments in this passage of Scripture. Uh, and We mentioned them last week when God judged mankind with a great flood, and also when he judged the two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, with fire and burning sulfur, as it was in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. So we would have to go back to the book of Genesis to find out what it was like in the days of Noah and Lot. So if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 6. It's just a few chapters up. And we'll also look at Genesis chapter 18 for the time of Lot. And in Genesis 6:11, it says, The earth was depraved, and putrid in God's sight. Putrid, that means it was rotten, it was decaying, it stunk. And the land was filled with violence, desecration, infringement, disobedience to the law, outrage, assault, and lust for power. And God looked upon the world and saw how degenerate, debased, and vicious it was, for all humanity had corrupted their way upon the earth and lost their true direction. God said to Noah, I intend to make an end of all flesh, for through men the land is filled with violence, and behold, I will destroy them in the land. And then he says to Noah, Make yourself an ark. And then in Genesis chapter 18, verse 20, to look at the times of Lot, And the Lord said, the outcry of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. In chapter 6, it was the whole world, but here it's just two cities that God had to judge. And if we were to make an observation this morning, we would have to say that this is a perfect description of the times that we're living in right now. As a sign of the end times, Jesus said right before he returns, It will be like it was in Noah's day in the time of Lot. So I want to use as a subject this morning, Noah's Ark. As I'm sure you know, the Ark is an enormous boat. It's a ship. And it's defined in the dictionary, a modern-day dictionary. And I was surprised at this definition, but it says, A vessel or sanctuary that serves as protection from extinction. Man, if that isn't a good definition of the ark. Yes. And it took Noah 120 years to build that ark, the vessel or sanctuary that's going to serve as protection from extinction. Uh, you may have already picked up on this, but we're having trouble with our sound this morning. And I don't know if it's my mic or a loose wire or something, but uh, we've got one of the best sound men in the world working on it. So hopefully you'll be able to find it and eliminate it. But anyway, it took Noah 120 years to build that ark. And when the day finally came when God's judgment was to fall, the Bible says in Genesis 7:16, And they that entered the ark, male and female of all flesh, went in as God commanded Noah, and the Lord shut him in and closed the door round about him. The Lord closed the door. I want you to notice that because it's really important here. It wasn't Noah. It wasn't a member of his family. It wasn't anyone from the outside that closed that door. It wasn't Noah's friends. It was God that closed that door himself. And this is a significant detail because as soon as those floodwaters started rising, there would be hundreds if not thousands of people beating on the door of that ark, crying and wailing and begging to get into the ark and knowing how noah was a man of righteousness a good man a man with a heart he would have attempted to open that door and let him in and that boat would have sunk and everyone would have been lost all the people and all the animals that god was preserving to replenish the earth after the flood so god knows what he's doing the book of Revelation informs us that God opens doors that no man can close. And, and the reverse of that is true as well. When God closes a door, no man can open it. And sometimes we just need to move on rather than try to reopen the door ourselves, try to get another chance, try to do it over again. If God closes a door, move on because no man is going to open it. And so that was the case here. God closed the door on that ark, and no man was going to open it. The passage of Scripture, uh, like a lot of Old Testament uh, Scriptures, has a double reference. It's a natural event that occurred during the time of Noah, but it was also pointing to a future event exactly like it. In other words, it was a type and shadow. And the reason it's called a type and shadow, because if it's a type of something is to come... And it's also a shadow of what that thing is. So there can't be a shadow without something of real substance casting it. I used this example before. If I walked through that door with the light behind me, you would see my shadow first. What is that? It's a type and shadow of what's going to come through the door next. That would be me. Yes. And so the ark and the building of the ark and the purpose of the ark was a type and shadow of a future ark. Amen. Amen. So the thing that caused the shadow of Noah's ark was a person, and his name is Jesus Christ, the true ark of God, an ark made without hands. And the ark Noah built protected him and his family from judgment and certain doom. It pointed to Jesus, our ark, which which saved us from judgment and certain doom. The same problems that were evident in Noah's day are the same problems that we're seeing in the world today. That's why Jesus said this would be a sign that we're getting close to his return because as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day that the Son of Man returns. Depraved and putrid behavior in God's sight and the land being filled with violence, uh, desecration, infringement, lawlessness, outrage, assault, and a lust for power god looked upon the world then and he looks upon the world now and he sees the same thing that he's seen in noah's day and he is not pleased with it he sees how degenerate and how debased and how vicious it has become and how humanity had lost its way and lost its direction humanity has become corrupted and it's not only amongst the people But it's even coming from some of the highest ranking offices in our land and offices throughout the world. It's coming from the highest ranking politicians in this entire world. And our land is included. Our nation is included. And make no mistake about it. The world is on the doorstep of judgment just as it was in Noah's day. But I want you to know that Noah worked on that ark just as God commanded him. God gave him the blueprint for that ark. And Noah worked on that ark for 120 years. 120 years. Uh, God said, my spirit will not always strive with man, but for 120 years. So Noah's building that ark 120 years, and the whole time he's building it, he's preaching and inviting people to join him. Telling them that judgment is coming, but there's going to be safety in the ark that I'm building. Won't you join me? And when the ark is built, you can get on it with me and be saved from the judgment that's coming. He was a preacher of righteousness, Peter says. And all they had to do to avoid the coming judgment and doom was to repent. And they refused. See, God's love and mercy gives everyone a chance to repent. He always gives you space to repent. You've been getting away with what you've been getting away with because God has given you space to repent. And he's patient. He's long-suffering. His desire is to see you repent. His desire is not to judge you. He doesn't want to judge anybody. He wants you to judge yourself that you be not judged. Amen. So, you know, God loves us so much that he's given us time to repent he said upon Abraham's request that he would spare Sodom and Gomorrah, the two sinful cities, he said he would spare them if he could find just ten righteous in the whole city. Just ten righteous, he said, and I'll spare both cities. He couldn't find ten righteous. There was only one, and that was Lot. But just like today, the word mock God, or the world mock God, laughed at him and persecuted Noah, who was God's preacher of righteousness. They laughed at him because of what he preached. They laughed at him because of the godly way that he lived. They laughed at him because of his convictions and what he stood for. They laughed at him because he tried to get them to join him in the ark of protection, God's provision. They're laughing at and persecuting Christians today for the same exact reason, only because we're trying to preach righteousness and we're trying to get them to come into the ark before it's too late and God has to judge them. For 120 years, Noah preaching and the building of that ark was a testimony against the sin and the depravity of what was going on in the world. For 120 years, God warned the people that judgment was coming and they better repent and get into the ark before it's too late. He preached it because when it did come, no one could ever say that they weren't warned. i want to take a little break here for a second. Uh, brother Joe, would it be better if we just turn the sound off? Well, um, we'll still have it on. Still be able to do it on Facebook, right? I right, hold on, brother. Darrell might have an idea. This is getting too anointing. How many know the devil is a lie? Hallelujah. He knows I got something good here today, so (laughs) he's going to try to do everything he can to disturb it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, anyway, the church has been preaching the same message for over 2,000 years. Noah preached it for 120. The church has been preaching righteousness for the last 2,000 years. Get in the ark. Get in the vessel, the sanctuary that serves as protection from extinction. The sanctuary that God provided. Right. Hold on a second. I'm taking a commercial break here. Technical difficulties. Praise the Lord. There ain't going to be no sound systems in heaven. Thank you, brother. I'm just going to put it on the outside here. Hallelujah. Is that any better? Yes. Praise the Lord. Where there's a will, there's a way. Hallelujah. we we'll are gonna probably have to dip that other one in the blood or something. Cast the devil out of me. <laughs> All right. So anyway, the church has been preaching the same message Noah preached for over 2,000 years. 2,000 years. Yes. God has given the, the world space to repent. He's given yes. them time to repent. Yes. And Jesus wants to save us from the coming judgment. And when it does come, just like in Noah's day, no one in the world is going to be able to say that they weren't warned. Amen. Hallelujah. And God's next judgment is going to begin right after the rapture of the church. It's called the seven years of tribulation with the latter half or the latter three and a half years of that period of time called great tribulation. And and he said it's like nothing like the world has ever seen. No, not before and not now and not to this day. He says nothing is going to be greater than the tribulation, the judgment that's going to come upon this earth. After the rapture of the church. And the call is the same as it was in Noah's day. Get in the ark before it's too late. But just as it was in the days of Noah and Lot, people are going to continue living their lives the way they've been living them. Not changing, refusing to repent and enter the ark until it's too late. He's saying repent and enter the ark. Everybody's welcome in the ark. And the rapture is the closing door of mercy and grace. The rapture, like the ark, is the only thing that can save you from the judgment that's coming, save the world from the judgment that's coming. You shouldn't be getting judged. If you're in Christ and he's in you and you're living for him like he is, then you won't get judged. You won't get left behind. But let me tell you something. Just because you're born again, just because you said the prayer does not get you a seat on the rapture train. Amen. You have to be living a certain way. You have to be acting like Jesus is your Lord. You have to be walking in the word. You have to be, you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to be living by faith when he comes. That will guarantee you a seat in the rapture train. See, the... the, it was a terrible time back then because all the people living on the earth died in the flood that followed with the exception of Noah and his family, only eight people in the entire earth. Now the population back then isn't like it is today. We got we're close to what seven billion on the earth. but can you imagine out of seven billion people, only eight being saved? eight people out of seven billion? Well, that's how it was in the day of Noah. Only eight people were saved. Everyone else on the whole earth, not just that country, not just that nation, but the entire earth was lost in judgment. Terrible time. And the same flood water that destroyed the ungodly saved Noah and his family. The only reason these eight souls were saved is because the ark stood between them and the judgment that came on the earth. The same waters that destroyed all living things on the earth is the same water that caused that ark to rise up above judgment. Amen. You get in the ark and you will rise above the judgment of God because that ark was already judged for you. Amen. Jesus is making a comparison of the condition of humanity in Noah's day and the condition of humanity in our day, the generation we're living in right now. He said this generation, the generation that was living then when he was speaking to the Jews and his disciples and the generation that's living now because he said that the generation that's living when Israel becomes a nation will be the same generation that ushers in my coming. That's us. Israel became a nation in 1948. Jerusalem became the the city of of, uh, Israel in 1967. And those are both signs that we're living in the generation that will see the return of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This generation, the generation we're living in right now. But it's like the one of Noah's day. Sinful, selfish, pleasure-seeking, and it's self-gratifying. Me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. That's all they're, they're concerned with. Yes. And we've been preaching the last couple of weeks about the generation that would be living in the last days. And we use for a scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I'm just going to read it real quick to remind you of what this last day is, is going to look like. Uh, he said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. They're here. We're living in perilous times. Yeah. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, yeah. boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. In other words, most people are only concerned with themselves. There's no godliness in their lives to be found. And Jesus talked about eating and drinking and marrying and being married. And there's nothing wrong with those things. It's okay to eat and drink. He knows we have to eat and drink. He knows we're going to marry and get married. Nothing wrong with those things. But what Jesus was talking about is the fact that most People living at this time are only concerned with their physical wants and physical desires and physical needs, all fleshly lusts and desires. They're eating and drinking when they should be praying and repenting. And that's the point that Jesus was making. And the saddest part about it is they didn't believe Noah's preaching. They were too busy, so busy with everyday life that they just ignored the preaching of Noah. And I'll guarantee you, many of them passed right by that ark in the morning going to work and passed right by it again at night coming home. And still, they heard the preaching, heard the preaching, but yet they ignored it and went on and continued living the same sinful way they were living. And Jesus is warning the world, and in some cases his church, yes. his church can't leave us out, it's time to get right. It's time to get the sin out of your life. It's time to quit playing around with God and the things of God and get serious about your relationship with him because you might be saved, but that don't guarantee you're going into rapture. Yes. Amen. That is the door before the, the judgment that's coming upon the earth in the seven years of tribulation. And, and I believe we're really close when God is going to justice us judge this world, and there's going to be a separation of the sheeps and the goats, the lost and the saved. And the lost are staying behind, and the saved are going to heaven with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, in Matthew, the 25th chapter, the first verse, it has it's a parable of the ten virgins. I've preached on it before. I don't know any preachers that haven't preached on it. Pastor Flynn and freeport illinois just recently preached on the ten virgins it was an excellent message and and i'm not going to preach on them this morning but i do want to read the account of the ten virgins and then i want to make a comment about it because this is also a sign of the end times he says in matthew 25 verse 1 then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins in other words this is what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like when the when the son of man returns They took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Now we have celebrated and applauded these five wise virgins while looking down our noses at the five foolish ones Over the years and heard messages uh, about them, I've heard several messages on the 10 virgins, but let me tell you something. The Bible says they all slumbered and slept. The wise and the foolish were slumbering and sleeping. And that's what the wise and the foolish in the church are doing right now. But it's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to rise up. Like Pastor S. said this morning, this is our time. This is our hour. This is the time that we're supposed to rise up. We have something to do in these last days. And we're sitting on our blessed assurance waiting for somebody else to do it. But he's talking to everyone, us, the body of Christ. And then at midnight, there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet them. Now, I've heard it said this is a rapture. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, but, you know, the Bible says, for the, uh, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in, in the air, uh, in the clouds, and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's fine. That's great. But I want to make an observation here. At midnight, a a cry came, the bridegroom coming. I've always wondered what that voice was going to be when the Lord descends from heaven to rapture his church. And I believe it's going to be the bridegroom coming, the bridegroom coming. And only the redeemed are going to hear that voice. But he ain't sneaking in and he ain't sneaking out like a lot of preachers have said when they preach about the rapture. He's coming boldly. He's coming. He's going to split the eastern sky open, and it's going to be as lightning. He's going to light up the whole world when he comes. That ain't being sneaky. Hallelujah. But anyway, then all those virgins arose. They all arose. So it means they were all slumbering and sleeping. And trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answer saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And what happens when the door, when God shuts the door? No one's going to open it. And what happens? Afterward, came also the other virgins, the foolish ones, to say, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I don't even know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now, like I said, there's a lot that we can glean from this parable of the ten virgins. There's a lot of analogies and parallels and similarities uh, between the natural and the spiritual, just like a lot of the Bible is. There's a lot of natural, and then there's a spiritual counterpart. And, and so the virgins, they say, represent the church. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. The oil is the Holy Ghost. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. The lamps representing the witness of the church. The door to the wedding supper is the rapture. And this parable has been preached 10 ways to Sunday by different preachers all over the world. And I'm not disagreeing with any of those observations. Don't get me wrong. I preach some of them myself. And if nothing else, they would be good illustrations. But I just want you to remember... The central theme of this parable, every parable has a central theme. And yes, you can glean other things from it. And there's natural and spiritual implications. But the the central theme is what we have to keep our eye on when we interpret any uh, parable. And those analogies are good, but above everything else, this is what you should come away with. Be watchful, get ready, Be ready and stay ready. If you don't get anything else from this parable, you need to get that because that's what the Lord is saying. Get ready, be ready, stay ready. Because if you ain't ready, what's that mean? The door is going to close in your face and you're going to be on the wrong side of it. So we better take a lesson from Noah. Make sure we're in the the ark because just like his day of judgment is coming, The description that God gave us of the earth, this is like 5,000 years ago. And yet it describes to a T the exact condition that the world is in today. Here's your sign. What did God tell Noah to do? He said, build an ark. Build an ark, Noah. He said, build yourself an ark. And that ark was supposed to provide Noah's deliverance, his family's deliverance. That ark was supposed to protect Noah keep his family safe while the whole world was perishing around him that ark was supposed to be a vessel or sanctuary that serves as protection from extinction that ark in every aspect points to jesus christ he is the true ark he is the one that cast the shadow of noah's ark he's the blueprint for noah's ark in the natural but he's our blueprint in the spiritual he's our spiritual ark And the world is in the same condition right now as it was in the days of Noah. And judgment is right around the corner. And we better be on the right side of the door when it slams shut. Amen the rapture door. We better be on the right side of it when it closes. If you're not, you're going to go through seven years or at least a good part of the tribulation period. Yes, you can still get saved during the tribulation. Yes, there's going to be another rapture during the tribulation, but you're going to have to go through hell to get there. You're going to have to go through hell to keep your testimony and not take the mark of the beast. You're going to be hungry. You're going to be in danger. You're going to be hiding out. Why go through all of that if you don't have to? Amen. And I know a lot of people think the rapture scares people, but it shouldn't scare us. It should excite us. We should be excited about the Lord's coming. We're going to see Him face to face. People think, "Well, I got things I want to do, and uh, you know, I don't want to float around heaven playing a harp." Uh, Let me tell you something. You will never be bored again. After the rapture, you will never be bored. There's no boredom in heaven. The things that you thought you wanted to do, the things that you think you're going to miss out on the earth, the Lord is going to give them to you a hundredfold. Life is going to continue because after the seven years, you're coming right back here with the Lord. We're going to defeat the Antichrist and his armies at the Battle of Armageddon, and we're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ right here on earth for a thousand years. It ain't going to be boring, I'm going to tell you right now. And let me tell you something else, as long as I'm on the subject. Right now, in the church, in the body of Christ, you are writing your resume for the millennium. You are writing your resume for eternity. So I don't know what's on your resume, but God's going to assign you according to whatever is on your resume. Amen. 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 Now we're going to stand before what they call the judgment seat of Christ, but that's not a good interpretation. It's called the Bema seat. It's a seat of rewards, not judgment. We're not getting judged again. Christ was judged for us. We were judged in him. You're going to stand before a throne of grace, a throne of rewards. And the Bible says that all the, you know, it says wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn up on this day. And wood, hay, and stubble is always above ground. But the things of the heart, gold, silver, and precious stones, they're going to abide the fire. And I know for a fact there's going to be some pretty big bonfires on that day because there's a lot of wood, hay, and stubble going to be burned up. And what you're left with is going to be your rank. Your rank in the kingdom of God. Amen. And, and, you know, it's nothing to brag about or anything, but there's going to be some real generals of the faith up there. And it's just like the military or an army. They have uniforms, and they have medals, and they have hashtags, and they have things that go uh, service ribbons and things that go on that uniform. And when that general walks through that door, I can tell by his uniform he's been through hell. I can tell by his uniform he's accomplished some things in his career in the service, because his uniform tells me how well he did in the service. And that's the way it's going to be in the kingdom of God. When you leave that Bima, you leave that throne of grace, that throne of rewards, you're going to leave there with a uniform. And people are going to tell who you are, where you've been, and how successful and what kind of overcomer you was based on the uniform you're wearing. And you're going to wear that uniform throughout all eternity. Amen. I hope you got a little more than a couple of mosquito wings on your shoulders. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. See, uh, Noah's ark was made of gopher wood, and it was pitched within and without with tar. It was made of natural materials. Uh, and, and our ark is an ark that was made without hands. It's, it's built upon the Word of God, and, and we have to build our ark on the Word of God and pitch it within and without with the promises of God. And we do all of that by faith. And we have to realize that when we know from the word of God that it will save us, protect us, preserve us, heal us, and keep us safe, then when judgment comes, that ark is going to meet us in the clouds and take us to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our ark. Now, if we build God's promises of protection and deliverance into our hearts and lives, then we can live in perilous times like we're living in today in safety and security and above all without fear. God has proven over and over again that he is well able, not just able, but well able to protect his people and deliver them from danger. His people, the family of God. And there's only one way to get in his family, and that's by a direct referral from his son. Hallelujah. If you confess him before men, he'll confess you before the father. God told the prophet Isaiah, say to the righteous. Just say to the righteous that it shall be well with them. For they shall eat the fruit of their deeds, but woe to the wicked. Mm -hmm. It shall be ill with them for what their hands have done shall be done to them. The crooked politicians and judges of this land, not just the world, I'm talking about this land, especially our Supreme Court judges that mock God and rule against his laws on a daily basis will one day stand before him and they will find out what righteous judgment really is because they will be judged by the righteous judge of the universe. They might be a judge in a high court. They may even be a judge in the Supreme Court of this nation. But there is a higher court, and they're going to be judged by this higher court. They're going to be judged by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the judge of all judges. And he's going to judge righteously because you can't hide anything from him. He don't need any eyewitnesses. He don't need any testimonies. He knows what you did, and he will hold you accountable for it. Hallelujah. They will give an account. I'm gonna go out on a limb here, but they're gonna give an account for Roe versus Wade. They're gonna give an account for taking prayer out of schools. They're gonna give an account for taking the Ten Commandments off our courthouse walls. They're gonna give a account for removing our uh uh, what do they call nativity scenes from public places? They're gonna give an account for these things, they're gonna give a account for the same-sex marriage laws that they pass and every other unrighteous law that they pass that violate and are against God's laws, they are going to be judged by a righteous judge and they're going to give account for them and they're going to eat the fruits of their ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I must say this as bold as I can, it will not be well with you on that day. Amen. 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 I'm done middling for now. Jesus used Noah as a reference because he is a perfect example of how God is so capable of protecting the righteous, and he will. The whole world went down around him, and yet Noah and his family was perfectly safe. See, when you got saved, you received way more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. Yes. You got a whole lot more than a ticket to heaven. Yes. You received benefits for this day and this time. Yes. Our ark is Jesus Christ, and when we received him, we received his salvation. Yeah. And salvation encompasses a complete package of benefits. It's not just going to heaven. Yeah. It's not just missing hell. The Greek word that was translated salvation is sozo. It's an all-encompassing word that actually means deliverance, safety, preservation, pardon, restoration, healing, wholeness, and soundness of mind and body. Yes. That's what the word salvation means. When you got saved, I'm telling you, it was a mouthful. Yes. Psalm 68:19 says this, blessed be the Lord who bears our burdens and carries us day by day, just like that ark carried Noah and his family, even the God who is our salvation, our rock, our ark, Our vessel and sanctuary that serves as as our protection from extinction. And then it says, Selah. And when you see that word, Selah, it means to pause and calmly think about what you just read. Pause and meditate on what you just read. God is to us a God of deliverances and salvation. And to God, the Lord belongs, escape from death, setting us free. Psalm 68, 19, and 20. If you're not experiencing these things, if you're not experiencing safety, security, healing, deliverance, and you're wondering why, it's because they're not automatic. These things have been provided for us, but they have to be appropriated in our lives by faith. And when you first got saved or born again, whatever we want to call it, It was because someone told you some good news and you accepted the good news. You confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you were instantly saved. Why? Because you acted on the word that you heard and you appropriated it by faith. Everything in the kingdom of God is appropriated the same way. Salvation came by hearing the word and then receiving it and appropriating it by faith. Healing comes the same way. Joy comes the same way. Peace comes the same way. All the things of God come the same way. When you hear and believe and receive and then appropriate it by faith, it will operate in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I didn't know God wanted to heal me when I first got saved. All I heard was a salvation message. All I knew was God wanted to save me from judgment and doom. And, and, And I received that. And I didn't know God wanted to heal me until I heard the word concerning God's will for me to be healed. He said in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him smitten of, uh, uh, what was it? <laughs> Stricken of God. <laughs> Go <ahead. laughs> Hallelujah. Hold on a minute, I'm get it here to me. Let me start here again. <laughs> Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And then he said in 1 Peter 2, 24, Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the cross, uh, that we being dead to sins might live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah said we are, Jesus, uh, Peter said we were, so we must be healed. Hallelujah. All I had to do was believe that word, receive it, and appropriate it by faith. And I'm telling you, it's been a wild ride. Have I ever been sick? Absolutely. But God healed me every time. Have I ever been afflicted? Absolutely. But God healed me every time. Did I ever have a surgery? Yeah, I've had a couple of them. But God healed me every time. Hallelujah. Because that's the first thing I do. Thank God for the doctors. Thank God for uh, relieving symptoms and relieving pain. But they can't heal you. God is the only one that can heal you. Amen. They can give you antibiotics. They can give you things that will help with the symptoms. They can make you you feel better, give you pain pills. But they can't heal you. God has got to be your healer. Amen. He's our healer. But we got to believe it, receive it, and appropriate it by faith. And that's why in these last days, the days of Noah, the days of judgment, we need to know God's word like never before. But we have an advantage because Daniel said that they that know their God in the last days, they that know their God will do exploits. Hallelujah. They will do exploits. That means we're going to conquer some things. We're going to overcome some things. Why? Because we're so great? No, because we know our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to know Psalms 91 and the protections it provides. But not only know them, but we need to believe them, receive them, and appropriate them by faith. That no evil will befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. Because he gives his angels charge concerning me, and in their arms they shall bear me up, lest at any time I dash my foot against a stone. I believe it, I receive it, I appropriate it by faith. When fear tries to come upon me, I say, no, no, no. You can't come even near me. Hallelujah. hallelujah. He says that he will satisfy us with long life and show us his salvation. Well, he's already shown us his salvation. His name is Jesus Christ. He's shown us the ark that was prepared for us. It's Jesus Christ, our ark. That's our salvation. And during Noah's time, mankind had become so vile that God had to judge them, or he wouldn't be considered a righteous God. But he also gave them time to repent and made a way for them to escape his judgment. He gave them a way to be saved. He gave them the ark, because salvation from the flood, from the judgment, came through the ark. But they rejected his message. Just like this generation, they refused to enter the ark of sanctuary that serves as protection from extinction. They refused it. They were all destroyed except for Noah and his family. Judgment from a holy and righteous God was on the way, but God in his great mercy gave them time and space to repent. God wanted the news of salvation to re- reach the four corners of the earth. I don't know what how big the earth was, how far the four corners went back in that time, but God wanted to reach everyone on the earth That's why Noah preached for 120 years. Maybe it took 120 years for it to reach all four corners of the earth, but I know God didn't judge this earth without giving everyone on it a warning. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that every man shall have his day of salvation. Every man will have his visitation, and that means everybody. Well, what about the guy that died in Africa that never heard the word? I'm telling you, if Jesus had to come to him in the nighttime dreams, he got his day of visitation or, or the word is a lie. Everybody, God's not going to send nobody to hell that didn't hear his word. He's not going to send anybody to hell that didn't have an opportunity to hear his word and accept his salvation. Uh, if they go to hell, it's because they rejected him, not because they haven't heard. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. James tells us, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. And then he says, behold, the husbandman, the farmer, the one who planted the seed, God, he waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it. He's been waiting for over 2,000 years, but just like in the days of Noah, his patience is going to run out. He's going to have to judge this world, and I think it's going to be sooner than later. So there was plenty of time in Noah's day. And there's been plenty of opportunity and time in our day as well to escape the judgment. Uh, I mean, over and over they were hearing, they're hearing the word. You can't turn on a television set without hearing a preacher. You can't go on Facebook, YouTube, or any of the social media without hearing a preacher. You can't go anywhere without hearing a the preacher. They can't say that they didn't hear the word. They heard the word. They rejected it. Too busy doing their own thing. Just didn't have time for God or the things of God. All they had for God was a bunch of excuses. And they didn't have time to read the word. They didn't have time to pray. They didn't have time to worship and love a holy, living God. They didn't have time to go to church. And you know what the Bible tells us to... Fail not to assemble yourselves together, especially as you see the day approaching. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, the day is approaching. Yes. You better start assembling yourself together. Yes. Not on a Facebook church, not on an internet church, but you better be sitting your butt in a chair in a building or in a, somewhere with an assembly of believers that God has called together. Yes. That's all that God's going to accept this, in this last day. Now, I apologize if you're a shut-in, that doesn't, that doesn't count for you. You're welcome to hear it. But if you're an able-bodied person, you need to be finding a church and getting in it. Hallelujah. Amen. Sorry, I'm not here for a popularity contest this morning. I'm here to tell the truth. I don't want, I don't want to see anybody go to hell that didn't have to go there. There's a lot of people going to go there and they're going to say, "I wish I would have listened to that preacher, yes. not just me, but the preacher that you listened to and ignored. Yes. You're going to be wishing you listened to him." Amen. 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 But at that time, they should have been drawn closer to God, like we've been preaching here for a long time now. Draw close to God. Draw nigh unto him, and he will draw nigh unto you. And it's written in that order for a reason. You make the first move. God's already made his move 2,000 years ago. He moved his son from heaven to a cross. It's your move now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were given over to the things of the world and up to their ears in sin, and they wanted no part of the ark. Everybody that drowned in that flood deserved to be in that flood. Or God wouldn't have had them in it. If this isn't a picture of the world we're living in today, then my name ain't what it is. That ark testified of God's mercy and his plan for salvation. Noah preached for 120 years that judgment was coming. He's saying, get in the ark and you'll be saved. Get in the ark and you'll be protected. But the world paid him no mind. As a matter of fact, they laughed at his message just like they laugh at his message today. And even though God is long-suffering and patient, his patience eventually ran out then, and it's going to run out now. And the door of the ark was closed, and the door to the rapture is going to be closed, and judgment is going to fall. And you don't want to be here. And I want you to know that once that door was closed on the ark and the rains began, there was repentance then. I guarantee you there was repentance. There was crying and begging and wailing and everything else, but there was everything but a second chance. There is no second chance. It was too late then. Once the door to the wedding is closed, the door to the rapture is closed, it's too late And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. We're living in those days right now. When that door to the ark closed, that was it. Judgment came. Judgment is going to fall on this earth just like it did in the days of Noah, just like it did in the days of Lot. And if you're not in that ark that God has provided, if you're not in Jesus Christ, if you're not born again and living for him in an active relationship you ain't going in the rapture. If you're not saved and ready, ready when he comes, then there will not be time to get ready or get saved. And you know, I, I've been told before, I'm almost ready. I, you know, we, I'm not going to mention any names, but they say I'm almost ready, but you know what almost ready is? Ready. Not ready. Almost ready is not ready. There's no such thing as almost ready. You're either ready or you ain't. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I ain't mentioning no names to protect the innocent. Me. <laughs> almost ready is not ready. Just as it was in the days of Noah, if you're not right with God and you're not living for him, there'll be no time to get ready then. You have to be ready, get, get ready, be ready, stay ready yes. all the time. Oh, Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, we praise you. God, I know I botched this thing up three ways to Sunday, but I, I, I tried to say what I needed to say, what you, what I believe you told me to say. I hope I said it in a way where I didn't offend anybody. I hope I offended the devil real good but I don't want to offend people. I want to love people, but I'm just a little bit concerned. I also want to see them go to heaven, miss hell. I don't want to see anybody die and go to hell because there's no reason why they have to. You provided an ark. You provided a way of escape from judgment. And Lord, all we have to do is believe it, receive it, get on the ark before it's too late. So God, I ask everybody in this place and within the sound of my voice and our Facebook family and our Facebook audience that if you're not ready it'll only take a minute to get you ready so if I talk to you today if I spoke to you in any way you're not born again you don't know the Lord you're not living right for Him, you're backslid you want to get your life right you want to start over again you want another chance if I talk to you and I want you to pray with me today I, I just want you to say this short prayer after me And I'll guarantee you, if you say this prayer and you mean it from your heart, then you will be ready when we say amen. So just say this after me. Heavenly Father, Father. I thank you for Jesus Christ. Christ. I believe he is Lord. I believe believe that he died for my sins. I believe believe that you raised him from the dead. I dead. I I receive him into my heart. I ask you to change me. To strengthen me, to help me do everything that I need to do to live for Jesus. I thank you for it, according to your word. I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm back and right standing with you. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Now if you said that prayer and you meant it from your heart, then you are born again. You're restored if you were backslidden. You got a brand new slate. You get to start all over again. And if you miss it, which you will do, we all miss it, we all mess up, you got 1 John 1 and 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness so you can go to him on a daily basis and be washed by the water of the word just by saying that prayer and just confessing and repenting. It's all about repenting, and trying your best to walk and, t- and change your direction. Mm-hmm. So we love you and appreciate you. The only reason I preach as hard as I do sometimes is because I want to see you go to heaven. I want to see everybody I know in heaven. I don't want to see anybody miss heaven and wind up in hell. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night.